Hey, I'm Megan McDuffie, and welcome to the Infinite Ammo Syndicate podcast. Rock on. Infinite Ammo. So, greetings, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Renegade Operative, and we are hosting a very special podcast interview. We have Meg McDuffie, and she is the composer behind River City Girls 1 and 2. So, introduce yourself, Miss McDuffie. Hey everybody, my name is Megan, and like Ren said, I'm a video game composer, music producer, and recording artist, and here I am. <laughs> okay, I want to introduce the rest of the panel before we continue on to the questions. So first we have Mr. Kaneki. Aw oh, man, I'm glad this game is getting a sequel. More beat em up genres, please. Next we have Eli. What up? Next we have Justin. What up? Next up is Mr. Brandel. Zeus man, send help. And he's getting electrocuted right now by electric toaster, so send him your condolences, please. And obviously, you know who I am, Renegade Operative, host of the IAS, and we can get this thing started. Uh, so question number one in the document. Let's start off this interview with an introduction. How did you get into the musical composing scene in the first place? Well, I've been a musician my entire life. Always knew I wanted to do something with music professionally. And in college, I fell in love with film scoring and the art of orchestration. So my focus for undergrad was pretty much in that world, in film scoring. And then it just sort of naturally organically progress to video games because the video game industry is much bigger and there's a lot more going on and uh hollywood's a very closed book so <laughs> video games just sort of happened as a natural tra trajectory of you know wanting to compose for something anyone want to uh add on to this any questions for meg Kaneki? that game? i could think of <laughs> oh wait oh wait my favorite game yes 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 um what was your reaction when uh when you was doing the compose were you being the composer for uh the river the river city girl series i mean when i was asked to be part of that project yes yes yeah that was uh that was a cool moment um i am currently still part of a group called the Materia Collective. I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but it's a group of video game music arrangers and orchestrators and composers, etc. And one of their members, Dale North, who's also a video game composer, um, he knew the people at WayForward and he knew that they were looking for somebody with sort of an 80s throwback or a sort of synth pop style. Um, and he recommended me for the job and forward got in touch with me they really liked my work and the rest is history i actually didn't even know that the river city ransom legacy went so far back as it did <laughs> so it was a little bit of a surprise for me to find out that this game had such a huge fan base already so that was really cool yeah um the, uh, i started getting to synth music um last couple of years so i was bobbing to your music when i was watching a streamer play i'm like so i need to listen to the soundtrack it was really nice and yeah it, it was gold i must say <laughs> thanks for listening that's awesome 
All right, so we're going to move on to question number two. Brandon, do you want to take that? No, I can't. <laughs> uh, what about Eli? Yeah, I can take it. All right. Uh, how do you brainstorm musical pieces in your head? Unless the process behind your mental expression here. Repeat that, Eli, because you cut out. How do you brainstorm musical pieces in your head? Tell us the process behind your mental expression here. No, it's something I've just practiced a lot <laughs> since I've been doing it a very long time. And process, I mean, it kind of depends on if I have a brief from a client or not, which I usually do. And um, in the case of River City Girls, they gave me bunch of artwork and descriptions of the levels and areas of the game so I kind of used those to I guess shape the the atmosphere of a particular area since you know say they wanted something kind of down and slummy obviously I'm not going to use any really bright or happy or sparkly instruments when I'm working on that section so yeah it just it depends um depends on what the client's going for depends on what I'm going for and just sort of start with a, a clean slate and try to imagine what the player is going to experience before I, before I start working. Anyone want to add on to this? I, uh, I really adore the vocal tracks in River City Girls. Or awesome, whichever, thanks. Whichever musical tracks had vocals in it. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. I cannot wait to hear more in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yes, there will be quite a few more. Um, so far, so oh, good. Man. It's been it's been really fun. I've been working on it for maybe six months. Not not quite six months. Like four months so far. So I was keeping this secret. <laughs> um, NDAs. It's great. it's great to finally. Yeah, definitely NDAs is great to finally announce it yesterday. So oh, that's why you delayed the interview before because of you know waiting for the announcement to come through. Oh, I actually had nothing to do with that. I was completely slammed with work um, in the last month or so. Um, so it's just kind of a great coincidence that it happened to be around E3. I did not plan that. I have so, a... Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I have a side <laughs> question. I, I don't know. I guess um, when it comes to like making music and composing pieces and when things get a little bit more complex, like... What is the philosophy behind uh, finally getting the music you want and trying to get that all balanced out? Well, persistence, I guess. <laughs> um, it helps if people have feedback since, you know, usually I'm working for somebody. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed or lost on something, which is very rare, <clears throat> excuse me, very rarely the case. I've been blessed with the lack of writer's block, thank goodness. Um, yeah, having, you know, feedback to best fit the project from the directors or the coordinators is always really helpful. And yeah, I guess the best philosophy or the best mental mindset is just to take frequent breaks and walks and try to step away from things uh, when they get too overwhelming because more often than not, when you come back to it after a break, it's like, oh, duh, I should be doing this. And you can continue working. All right, we're going to move. That fresh air. Hey, he's not ah. wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're going to move on to question number three. Uh, I wonder who's going to take this. Kaneki, can you take that one? Yes, I can. Um, 
we see that not only you compose music for R- River City Girls, but also The Predator. How was that process like working for bigger companies? So The Predator um, that came out you know, a handful of years ago now, I actually did music for the trailer, um, specifically the featurette trailer, which I guess is just sort of a different style trailer that they only released online at the time. Um, yeah, and just sort of in my career, I've had to sort of piece together things to pay the bills, if you will. <laughs> so it's like trying a bunch of different avenues to see what is going to actually make me money. And trailers, you know, all trailers need music and sound design. And that was just something I was kind of into and interested in because of my film scoring background. So um, it's actually a really weird business model. A lot of people don't know that composer of the film hardly ever i would say like 0.001% of the time actually does the trailer for the film so they need people like me who are freelance composers to basically write a shit ton of music and put it in other music companies <laughs> for these trailer editing houses to find so in the case of predator and pretty much every trailer that i've ever done literally write a ton of music produce it mix it give it to my contact at a music company that specifically does music for advertising and then they will pitch it to people that are editing trailers so it's the weirdest thing it's basically like you do a ton of work and hope that you get paid at some point if somebody decides to use your piece it's awful. <laughs> it's the worst business model ever. But that's how it works. Hmm. I'm trying to, like, I, I, I listened to, like, a few of your tracks, and I'm trying to think of, uh, can you tell us, like, any other popular mediums that your tracks got, like, featured in in terms of IPs? Yeah, I was actually curious about that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, obviously River City Girls is sort of the quote-unquote biggest game that I've been a part of so far. Um, But other things like I did some sound design for the Annihilation trailer, that awesome sci-fi movie that came out a few years ago. Um, I've had music on Gordon Ramsay's show, The F Word, Um, America's Got Talent, Dancing with the Stars, a few of the Real Housewives TV shows. Um, I'm trying to think. I had a, actually scored a Lifetime movie a few years back. So just a, a you know random random collection of things basically i i can imagine like your music while ramsey is yelling at people in the kitchen i, I don't know why it's so funny but... <laughs> oh my i'm exactly the same thing. just just put the river city girl soundtrack over an episode of hell's kitchen yeah <laughs> yeah for uh for that it was like a you know one of those typical reality shows mm-hmm. kind of you know, big percussive kind of dun, 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 you know, that kind of stuff that they use to build drama. Because um, most people don't know that I have a, an orchestration background. So because I do a lot of electronic music, so it's always kind of funny when I get to do something orchestral. It's my guard. The best way to do it. <laughs> I have a question, though. I'm not sure this was answered already or in the document, but what was the first... um? project you worked on ever to get your career um jump started project ever hmm 
It's a good question. I would say, so let's see, right out of college, I did basically a little advertising spot for my college's theater program. They do, or they did, I don't know if they still do, a Shakespeare summer program, and they broadcast it on the local TV station. So they needed some sort of Three Musketeers style, you know, swashbuckling music to highlight the theater program. And I'd say that's probably the very first thing I did that was actually paid. And that was back in probably 2009. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I guess we move on to the next question, Ren. Okay, so Justin, could you take the next question, my man? Will do. Okay, so follow up on number three, is there any video game franchise that you would like to compose for if you were given the chance? Yes, of course. Um, I think doing something, uh, something epically sci-fi, but also kind of dark and electronic, something like for the Bioshock series um, or the Mass Effect franchise, that would be super, super dope because I could blend sort of movie trailer, you know, philo not philosophy, but mov the movie trailer sound design kind of thing that I love to do with the electronic synthy based stuff. And I think that would be super fun. I'd love to hear your take on Mass Effect, if you had that opportunity. <laughs> I would love to do that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been replaying through the Mass Effect games. Uh, first, first game, really synthwave, really heavy on that. Hmm. I would want to say, oh man, but it's it's so dead. I, I would want to see you do something for like maybe Dead Space, but I know it's not coming back. It sucks. <laughs> well, some some new iteration of space horror would be would be great. Oh, there's one coming out soon. So, uh, you know, yeah, there's hope maybe Callisto, Callisto Protocol, Protocol devs. Yep. You know, pick up the phone. Yep. <laughs> they're the one they're saying. So I would love to do something like that. Do you know anyone? <laughs> uh, hopefully they listen to this podcast and they're they're like, hey, this is really good recommendations. Let's get this going. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Hire this woman. Yes. Hey, if she ever gets if she ever gets like hired onto like some big RPG franchise, I'll freaking just like jump in my seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. It just takes time. Yep. You right. So we're going to move on to question number five, and I'll take this one. Uh, we see that you have a huge affinity for horror music. Are you a big fan of John Carpenter? And what is your approach to making scary horror themes like horror synthwave? I am a big horror fan, yes. Um, and yeah, John Carpenter is the man. I mean, he's, he's classic and that he basically developed or created that... I mean, he's probably not the first one to do it, but he definitely made the whole synth horror thing iconic in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, one day, I hope I get to work with him on something. That would be sweet. But my method for developing scary shit. Well, I don't know. I <laughs> My default is always to lean darker, so it's not hard for me to come up with the gnarliest and creepiest things that I can. Um, and I think actually the, the trailer stuff that I've done helps with that because that has to be as weird and mangled and unique as possible. And, uh, 
yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just, I'm pretty much perpetually in a dark headspace. Things like River City Girls are almost a challenge for me because I, like I said, I, I lean dark. So horror is just something that sort of naturally falls out of me. I'm trying to think, uh, is there like any other horror games that you would love to produce for? Maybe like Resident Evil or things like that? 100%. I mean, pretty much any game from a AAA studio that has a cool story and cool people, I will eat that shit up. <laughs> any other questions from the panelists? Hold on. Since you're a fan of John Carpenter, what is your favorite movie from him? So too. <laughs> oh, it's such a hard thing to pick a favorite because he's so iconic. But I'd probably say The Thing. Yes. 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 Kurt Russell is the man. I I love that guy so much. But yeah, that's that's such a good one. Well, His take on the was fantastic. Yeah, I oh, definitely sorry. agree. Definitely um, a classic for a reason. But outside John Carpenter, though, like, what other, like, horror you know, franchises do you like? For example, like, Fire 13th, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, et cetera, et cetera, that you enjoy? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, the original, obviously, not the remake. Don't go anywhere near that. Uh, <laughs> is amazing. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Three is pretty good. Dream Warriors is is really kind of hilarious in a good way um has that you know amazing 80s nasty charm everything is just so weird looking and realistic and like goopy i don't know if that makes sense but like horror back then was so tangible um yeah i love the nightmare on elm street films um i'm actually people are gonna hate me but i'm less into halloween i like the first one i think it's great everything after that meh <laughs> You know what? That's understandable. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't really like the newer one either. It was like, well, okay, yeah, I guess I, I get it, but Nightmare on Elm Street just has that. I like trippy movies, you know? The whole dream aspect of that made it so much more than a slasher. A standard slasher is a, you know, they're a dime a dozen, in my opinion, so. So psychedelic shit you like? I do, yes. Mm hmm yeah, I'm the same way. Psychological horror, stuff like that, things of the mind. Mm-hmm. That's why I love The Grudge. Oh, yes. The original Grudge was pretty good. Yeah, yes. I'll give it that. Yes, the remake. Uh, the, the remake of the remake that just came out recently is supposed to be awful. What? No. Yeah, that killed, you no know, Friday the 13th um, potential sequel. Yup. Mm. Believe it. <laughs> Uh, what a shame. What a shame. Well, there are so many, so many original screenplays out there that deserve to get made. So they, you know, Hollywood needs to, <laughs> needs to get some more original IPs. Yeah, yeah, they really do. <laughs> it's like the past couple of years have been just like reboots and remakes. It's like, guys, you got writers. What, what an ironic thing. And it's, it's for money, but still. What exactly. a what an ironic thing that we also have a discussion on that coming pretty soon about horror movie remakes and how we feel about them. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, I thought Evil Dead remake was gnarly, but uh, it is getting a little bit unoriginal now. 
it wasn't necessarily a remake in a way though but no that's a that's a different discussion altogether yeah you you guys will show me when we finally watch that movie sit down and watch it uh, yeah, that was kind of a reimagining of that universe, in my opinion, instead of a, uh, it it wasn't was a, like a shot for shot. Yeah, it, it was a retelling because um, apparently I could be wrong on this, though, but the lore is that um, the Necro Namacon, where it's called, was recreating the events of the first movie. Uh, so thus, everything you saw in it was just blatantly a retake or retelling of what happened with Ash, but with different characters. That's kind of interesting. I'm not going to lie. That makes like, sense. I kind of want to see it even more now, but did you guys see Cabin in the Woods? I yes, I did. Heard of okay. it? The I, movie's the one amazing. Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, we got body. Yeah, I, I love great. that. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so good. good. Yeah. I guess we can move on to the next question, Rin. If um, we done good to know horror stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So, Eli, you want to take the next one? Sure thing. Uh, how hard is it to put together an entire album? Or a, mu- or a music video. Walk us through the process. Yeah, so <laughs> this is a very broad question because it can be as easy or as hard as you want it to be. Uh, if, you <laughs> if you don't have a huge attention to detail or you're not a perfectionist or you just want to get something out there as soon as you possibly can, then it's not very hard. But if you're meticulous and scrutinize everything you do like me <laughs> it uh it takes a while and i kind of like that though about me is that um i i always feel good about what i release and i always feel like it's done which i know a lot of people kind of struggle with in the creative fields they feel like they could tweak endlessly but i basically just tweak as much as i possibly can for putting it out there. As far as the process, whew, I mean, it's just one foot in front of the other, you know? Um, basically starting with the concept, that's what always helps me. And just basing your entire headspace and your entire process around that concept, like I did for my debut album, which just came out recently. Um, That was the first album I had done just as a recording artist that wasn't attached to a client project or a game or a film, what have you. So it feels really cool to finally have that out. And even for that, I had a concept when I first started to write for it. And uh, as far as music video, (laughs) I've had sort of the, the opposite ends of the spectrum as far as experiences. I was part of a music video that was basically an epic short film a few years ago that had a $10,000 budget. And then the one I just did for my album um, was shot in my kitchen just (laughs) with me and my husband and, you know, lights that I purchased and I edited it all myself. And it was uh, quite, you know, a lot of work for being DIY, but, you know, as as a scrappy musician who hadn't released an album album before that wasn't a soundtrack you know, that's kind of what I had to do so I guess that's a really long way of saying it can be as complicated or as easy as you want uh, your debut album is it Inner Demons or is it something else it is Inner Demons, Demons? okay I'll, I'll make sure um, hey, um Eli can you take the next question 
Oh yeah, sure. Um, sorry. Uh, what is your favorite album or single that you're proud of producing so far? As far as I would say, I kind of have to split those into two categories. For something that is client-based, I would say either what I did for River City Girls 1 or what I'm doing for River City Girls 2 currently. I actually have to say the latter because my production process has gotten a little bit better since <laughs> the first game. Um, I was, I'm really proud of what I did on the first game, and I'm super proud of what I'm doing right now. And, you know, it's a lot of music. I think that first soundtrack, I mean, it, it's definitely over an hour, which is a huge undertaking. So I'm super proud of that. And staying creative throughout the entire process was sometimes a challenge. When I got to the end, it was like, oh my God, I've written so many of these pieces. How can I possibly write 10 more? But I somehow figured it out. And then as far as my own work, definitely Inner Demons. I put so much heart and soul and time and energy into that. And I'm extremely proud of what I produced. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I got a really good compliment from my mastering engineer. He worked for, or he has worked for Katy Perry, Depeche Mode, U2, Lana Del Rey. Like the list goes on. This guy is world-class and he even complimented me on it. So that was amazing you know the fact that this top end mastering engineer was like yeah your work's freaking awesome like you did such a good job on this so those are the two things bit of a side note but uh i also looked up your uh one of your other albums uh hostile takeover yeah that's a yeah I, I gave it a quick listen but uh yeah i i adored what you did with this like the cyberpunk aspect that you really captured Thanks. I'm all about that. Yeah, that was a fun one. It's actually a game score. Um, a lot of people don't know that that's a game soundtrack since the game is still in production and it's been f three or four years. <laughs> oh, it's so, a game. Yeah, it's a game. Okay. Um, solo dev, he's still working on it, but he didn't want to hold me back from releasing the soundtrack because, um, yeah, because I was done with, you know, well before him and he kind of wanted people to enjoy it beforehand. So that's that. Yeah, uh, shout out to Hustle Takeover. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And what Brandon said in chat about his best uh, sort of tracks from Inner Demon. Sweet. That track is so good. You know the story behind that one? No, I no, we don't actually. Okay, Thirteenth Hour is my tribute to my favorite movie, which is Labyrinth. Labyrinth, I think I've seen that one before. As David Bowie and a really young Jennifer Connelly. I might have seen that. I might have. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I just never seen it. What? You guys are crazy. You gotta watch it. There's a lot of shit I still need to watch. It's so, so 80s. It's so bizarre that it would never fly now. Like, it's super freaking weird. It's you know, Jim Henson Company, so everything's puppets. And it's basically like a really dark, kinda kinda creepy Alice in Wonderland vibe throughout the whole thing. But um yeah, there believe it or not, there are no original songs about that movie, even though it has a huge cult following. 
there are a bunch of covers of the music from the film, but no originals. So that's the story about 13th Hour. And it'll make sense. The music video will make more sense, too, if you actually see the movie. Could have sworn that uh, Kira Buckland posted pictures of it because she's like super obsessed with David Bowie. So I'm not surprised if I saw like pictures from it. I'm sure you have over the years. I mean, it's been around since 86. So I would be surprised if y'all haven't seen anything from it. (laughs) But we're going to move on to question number eight. Are there any famous composers you had a chance to work with recently? I did, yeah. Um, There is a man, composer guy, named James Dooley. He's down in L.A. He does movie or he does music for a lot of films and TV um, most recently, or I don't know if most recently, but he's, he's not working on stuff right now, but he does the music for the series of unfortunate events, the Lemony Snicket Netflix show, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. But we co-wrote a bunch of trailer music pieces. And recently the, um, trailer for the wrong turn sequel or the wrong turn reboot, I guess it's a horror movie. Um, that used (laughs) cool yeah that used our one of our pieces i only seen i only seen wrong turn one so i'm like super out of the loop with that series so much i've never (laughs) seen any of them so it was just Uh, you know cool to be part of anyway but ren i would torture you someday with those movies though but let's just say that one and two three through um six no like one and two are the best the reboot is good, but that's another um complaint I have about the movie though. But it's a lot better than three to six by I've Country been... Mile. Wow, I've never seen any of those movies. You're doing someone a favor by not watching three to six. Though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I didn't even know there were six of them. That's crazy. Yeah, now there's um yeah there's six now seven with the reboot, but yeah the yes. movie's been on for a long time. I have a side question, actually. Um, Is there any famous composers that you listen to in terms of music, and are you influenced by any of them so far that you want to shout out? I mean, I am a collection of very, very many influences. But as far as favorite composers, hmm. John Williams was kind of one of my first favorites. He's a legend. Uh, Trevor Jones, who did the score for, obviously, Labyrinth, <laughs> and um, Last of the Mohicans. He's been around for a long time. Um, I'm a fan of Koji Kondo. I think he's amazing. And, I mean, there's a bunch of artists that I will buy everything they ever release and I've been listening to for a long time. And I would probably have to shout out to Pesh Mode and... MX or Sneaker Pimps. It's the same dude. I also love Infected Mushroom. Mr. Next question? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Kaneki, could you read question number nine? Yes, sir. Uh, We talked a lot about musical composition, but we also noticed that you are a singer for some of these songs as well. Is there a different method involved when writing down lyrics? Well, 
I mean, it's just kind of the songwriting process, really. So if I know I'm doing a vocal song, I will produce the track with that in mind from the very beginning. And instead of laying down instrumental melodies, I will sort of sing la la la, like a, you know, a temp, temporary melody on top. Um, and use that to write my lyrics and the lyrics obviously are dictated by the scope of the project and what it's you know what it's for so in that sense it's just a little bit different it's kind of extra few steps in the process so are we going to move on to question number 10 or do you guys have any side questions for this one Oh, going once, like, going twice. I got nothing. Okay, we can move on to number 10. So, how do you feel about the current landscape of music today and how far technology has advanced for it? Like, being on digital, the popularity of Spotify, etc. I think technology has what has enabled such, you know, an awesome way for people to connect and an awesome way for people to discover artists that they probably wouldn't have discovered already. Um, I know that the internet has basically made my entire career viable. <laughs> so, hey. so, you know, like, I have nothing bad to say there. Um, I think Spotify and things like that are a really good tool for discovery. But I do wish that they... A little more emphasis on you know rewarding artists for using and distributing on their platform because the monetary payouts for the streaming services are just really you know pathetic <laughs> so in that sense you know it's a great discovery tool it's super you know easy and accessible for everyone but at the same time i think they could do a little bit better uh with rewarding their artists like i said so it's literally good for accessibility and outreach, but not good for uh, payout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. Hey, you're artists, people. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, sir. Oh, we're going to move on to the next question. So what is your favorite musical instrument to use in sessions? Well, I do really enjoy doing vocal pieces, so... I would have to say my voice. If I can include that, I find it extremely rewarding. Any backup favorites like, I don't know, piano or uh, tuba? Or, I don't know why I say <laughs> tuba. <laughs> um, I love a good get distorted guitar. Um, you know, something crunchy and metallic is always good. I'm also a big fan of gritty synth bass. I could not stay away from, you know, a good synth baseline if I tried. Any of the panelists have any additional comments they want to add for favorite instruments? Also, one posted a tube in the chat. There we go. <laughs> yeah, there it goes. Oh, man. Oh, I hate you guys. I just, I look at that gif and I just think, bum, bum, da, 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 dum, bum. You know, this this question is kind of dumb, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, in terms of like 
you know, just screwing around with instruments. Like, have you tried to screw around with something and you you made some type of idea or song out of it? Hmm. I've done a lot of screwing around with things that aren't instruments that end up in pieces. So, for example, <laughs> for example, I use or I did use my treadmill, the sound of it ramping up in different stages of speed for layering into trailer risers. You'd never be able to know because it's just, you know, mixed in and, and tweaked with a bunch of other stuff. But I've used squeaky stools, I've used drawers, I've used doors, I've used just like the weirdest stuff you can imagine. <laughs> so I love creating pieces from really weird sources. That's really believable because even like Mick Gordon, I think he used like a lawnmower and chainsaw for some of his music pieces for the Doom franchise. Then sure even Don did. Yeah, like, and um, John Carpenter and his son during like the 2018 um, Halloween movie. He used um, one of those things for the violin, I forgot what they called, and just brushed it on a, like a guitar to get some weird sound effects for one of the pieces. Perfect. Yeah, I love doing stuff like that. Mick Gordon literally has the Doom lawnmower. That's what he calls it. Yeah, I saw people squishing fruit for sound effects or stuff to put into their musical composition. And it's kind of, it, it's just kind of funny that your everyday household item can be used to create some rocking tracks. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, you'd be surprised. It's not just music. It's actually also just like film and even theater in general. They can use like just regular old objects to create certain sound effects that are needed. And I've seen it firsthand, actually. It's pretty crazy. That's how it started in the first place, right? Because you no, know, most instruments out there is just a piece of metal or a piece of wood, you know, form into what it is today. They gotta be creative. All right, so we can move on to the final question, which Justin can read off. Will do. Do you have any advice for aspiring composers trying to get their foot into the business? Do. Persistence. <laughs> that is what it boils down to. This is not a short game. You will probably not get you know, consistent enough work in the first in five to six years of doing this <laughs> for you know full-time career if you do that's amazing good for you you are a rock star but it's uh it's a long game that's why most of the you know the hollywood composers are in their 50s and older it just it takes a long time to build up cred and build up that momentum where you know you're turning down work because people are coming to you that's the ideal so persistence is key, and you have to be really good at what you do in order to keep it up. So those two things, know your craft really well, and stick with it. As a guy who also went to school for the arts, I feel that so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's intense, you know, it's not for everyone. Uh, would you also say that connections could play a part as well in uh, getting your name out there? Not only could they, they are everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, River City, the first one, for example, it was because I knew somebody and that somebody knew somebody else. So networking is pretty much the main thing to do. If you want creative gigs, 
better know some people and meet everyone, talk to everyone. You never know where that connection is going to come from. The phrase my people will call your people is pretty literal. Mm -hmm. Yes. Take <laughs> a lot of hands, chat with everybody. It's a lot of composers kind of want to be behind the scenes and, you know, are tend to be a little more introverted. But yeah, you, you don't necessarily get gigs that way. It helps to be extroverted when it counts. So basically, get your name out there, talk to a lot of people, and definitely whatever you can do, try to make connections. Because, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, I know a lot of people are shy, but you definitely got to put yourself out there because um, this is how you get known. This is how you get work done, making a portfolio. It, it's all the basic like sort of routine, but you got to definitely make it the best you possibly can. Uh, this is why I see a lot of people are perfectionists. Uh, so they don't stop until they get it right. Really? All right. So I think we can, uh, I think we can do some outros here. So I'm going to outro Megan so she can plug her social media and plug anything she has going on in terms of ongoing work. So Megan, where can we find you? I'm everywhere. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Megan McDuffie. You can find me on Instagram at Meg McDuffie. You can find me on YouTube at Megan McDuffie Composer and check out my debut album. I've been producing for other people for 10 years, but this is my first recording artist release. It is called Inner Demons, and the best place to find that is on Bandcamp and Spotify. All right, next we're going to outro our panelists. So, Mr. Justin, where can we find you? YouTube and Twitch at Inferno Dragon 343 and on Twitter at Inferno Dragon 3D. Eli? You can find me on Twitter at Gamma Alias. Kaneki? You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube at Google Order. And uh, man, I can't wait till River City Girls 2 to listen to more of your music. Yeah. Thanks. Woohoo. And last but not least, um, the guy who's being murdered by Thor himself, Brendan. Uh, uh, sorry, I couldn't like contribute a lot more than I wanted to because you know thunderstorm I said, hey, God help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at um Immortal Brendel. You can find me on Twitch on Sir Brendel. Everybody else is not your business. <laughs> All right, and you can find me on Twitter at rentoperative underscore. You can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative and Twitch at Renegade underscore Operative where. I will be streaming pain uh, because I definitely want to play maybe some GTA or something. And that's going to be hilariously stupid. So look forward to that. Um, Megan, thank you. Thank you so much for coming out and contributing your experience about composition and giving some insight into how the industry works. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for having me. We're going to end this podcast. Uh, thank you guys for watching out there in YouTube land, and we will see you guys next time. Later. Wait, I can't find Ren on Twitter. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing's happened. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Wait, who's Ren? Shut up. Dang. I hate you guys. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I ended it that way. <laughs>